Section 7 of Omens and Superstitions of Southern India This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Ashley Jane Omens and Superstitions of Southern India by Edgar Thurston Chapter 2 Animals Part 3 Reptiles and Batrachians it is recorded by Cantor Fisher that in the mountains and remote jungles of this country, Malaba, there is a species of snake of the shape and thickness of the stem of a tree which can swallow men and beasts entire. I have been told an amusing story about one of these snakes. It is said that Barcelor, a chago, chogan, had climbed up a coconut tree to draw toddy or palm wine, and as he was coming down both his legs were seized by a snake which had stretched itself up alongside the tree with its mouth wide open, and was sucking him in gradually as he descended. Now the Indian, according to the custom of his country, had stuck his tie-farms, an instrument not unlike a pruning knife, into his girdle with the calf turned outwards, and when he was more than halfway swallowed, the knife began to rip up the body of the snake so as to make an opening, by which the lucky man was most unexpectedly able to escape. Though the snakes in this country are so noxious to the natives, yet the ancient veneration for them is still maintained. No one dares to injure them or to drive them away by violence, and so audacious do they become that they will sometimes creep between people's legs when they are eating and attack their bowls of rice in which case retreat is necessary until the monsters have satiated themselves and taken their departure. Another snake story worthy of the Baron Munchausen is recorded in Taylor's Catalogue Raison of Oriental Manuscripts. The Koya, Koyi people, eat snakes. About forty years since the Brahman saw a person cooking snakes for food and expressing great astonishment, was told by the forester that these were mere worms, that if he wished to see a serpent, one should be shown him, but that as for themselves, secured by the potent charms taught them by Ambikasvara, they feared no serpents. As the Brahman desired to see this large serpent, a child was sent with a bundle of straw and a winnowing fan, who went, accompanied by the Brahman, into the depths of the forest, and putting the straw on the mouth of a hole, commenced winnowing, when smoke of continually varying colours arose, followed by bright flame, in the midst of which a monstrous serpent, having seven heads, was seen. The Brahman was speechless with terror at the sight, and being conducted back by the child, was dismissed with presents of fruit. It is stated by Mr. Gopal Panika that people believe in the existence inside the earth of a precious stone called Manikakalu. These stones are supposed to have been made out of the gold, which has existed in many parts of the earth from time immemorable. Certain serpents of divine nature have been blowing for ages on these treasures of gold, some of which dwindle into a small stone of resplendent beauty and brightness called manicum. The moment their work is finished, the serpents are transformed into winged serpents and fly up into the air with the stones in their mouths. According to another version of this legend, people in Malabar believe that snakes guard treasure, but silver they will have none. Even in the case of gold, the snakes are said to visit hidden treasure for twelve years occasionally, and only when they find that the treasure is not removed in the meantime do they begin to guard it. When once it has begun to watch, the snake is said to be very zealous over it. It is said to hiss at it day and night. 
This constant application is believed to diminish its proportions and to make it assume a smaller appearance. In time, in the place of the pointed tail, the reptile is said to get wings, and the treasure, by the continuous hissing, to assume the form of a precious stone. When this is done, the snake is said to fly with its precious acquisition. So strong is this belief that, when a comet appeared some ten years ago, people firmly believed that it was a flight of the winged serpent with the precious stone. Natives, when seeking for treasure, armed themselves with a staff made from one of the snakewood trees, in the belief that the snakes which guard the treasure will retire before it. In Malabar it is believed that snakes wed mortal girls and fall in love with women. When once they do so, they are said to be constantly pursuing them and never leave them, except for an occasional separation for food. The snake is said never to use its fangs against its chosen woman. So strong is the belief that women in Malabar would think twice before attempting to go by themselves into a bush. There is a temple in Ganjam, the idol in which is said to be protected from desecration at night by a cobra. When the doors are being shut, the snake glides in and coils itself round the lingam. Early in the morning, when the priest opens the door, it glides away without attempting to harm any of the large number of spectators who never fail to assemble. The town of Nagercoil in Travancore derives its name from the temple dedicated to the snake god Naja Kofil, where many stone images of snakes are deposited. There is a belief that snake bite is not fatal within a mile of the temple. The safety with which snake charmers handle cobras is said to be due to the removal of a stone which supplied their teeth with venom from under the tongue or behind the hood. This stone is highly prized as a snake poison antidote. It is said to be not unlike a tamarind stone in size, shape, and appearance, and is known to be genuine if, when it is immersed in water, bubbles continue to rise from it, or if, when put into the mouth, it gives a leap and fixes itself to the palate. When it is applied to the punctures made by the snake's poison fangs, it is said to stick fast and extract the poison, falling off of itself as soon as it is saturated. After the stone drops off, the poison which it has absorbed is removed by placing it in a vessel of milk, which becomes darkened in colour. A specimen was submitted to Faraday, who expressed his belief that it was a piece of charred bone, which had been filled with blood, and then charred again. There is in Malabar a class of people called Mantravardis, dealers in magical spells, who were believed to possess a hereditary power of removing the effects of snake poison by repeating mantrams and performing certain rites. If a house is visited by snakes, they can expel them by reciting such mantrams on three small pebbles and throwing them onto the roof. In cases of snake bite, they recite mantrams and wave a cock over the patient's body from the head towards the feet. Sometimes a number of cocks have to be sacrificed before the charm works. The patient is then taken to a tank, pond, or well, and a number of pots of water are emptied over his head, while the mantravadi utter mantrams. There are said to be certain revengeful snakes, which, after they have bitten a person, coil themselves round the branches of a tree and render the efforts of the mantravadi ineffective. In such a case, he, through the aid of mantrams, sends ants and other insects to harass the snake, which comes down from the tree and sucks the poison from the punctures which it has made. In the early part of the last century, a certain Tanjore pill had a reputation as a specific against the bite of mad dogs and of the most poisonous snakes. 
The following note on a reputed cure for snake poisoning used by the Odus Navis was communicated to me by Mr. Gustav Haller. A young boy who belonged to a gang of Odus was catching rats and put his hand into a bamboo bush when a cobra bit him and clung to his finger when he was drawing his hand out of the bush. I saw the dead snake, which was undoubtedly a cobra. I was told that the boy was in a dying condition, when a man of the same gang said that he would cure him. He applied a brown pill to the wound, to which it stuck without being tied. The man dipped a root into the water, and rubbed it on the lad's arm from the shoulder downwards. The arm, which was benumbed, gradually became sensitive, and at last the fingers could move and the pill dropped off. The moist root was rubbed on to the boy's tongue and into the corner of the eyes before commencing operations. The man said that a used pill is quite efficacious and should be well washed to get rid of the poison. In the manufacture of the pills, five leaves of a creeper are dried and ground to powder. The pill must be inserted for nine days between the bark and cambium of a margosa tree during the new moon when the sap ascends. The creeper referred to is the Tinospora cordifolia, Gorbel, and the roots are apparently those of the same climbing shrub. There is a widespread belief that the Gorbel growing on a morgosa tree is more efficacious as a medicine than that is found on other kinds of trees. In cases of snake bite, the Domara snake charmers place over the seat of the bite a black stone which is said to be composed of various drugs mixed together and burnt. It is said to drop off as soon as it has absorbed all the poison. It is then put into milk or water to extract the poison, and the fluid is thrown away as being dangerous to life is swallowed. The mandulas, wandering medicine men, use as an antidote against snake bite a peculiar wood, of which a piece is torn off and eaten by the person bitten. Among the Viramushtis, professional medicants, there is a subvision called Naja Malika, Rycanthus communis, the roots of which are believed to cure snake bite. The jungle pallions of the Palni hills are said to carry with them certain leaves called Naru Viliver, which they believe to be a very efficient antidote to snake bite. As soon as one of them is bitten, he chews the leaves and also applies them to the punctures. The Kudumi medicine men of Trevancore claim to be able to cure snake bite by the application of certain leaves ground into a paste and by exercising their magical powers. The Telugu Totians are noted for their power of curing snake bites by means of mystical incantations, and the original inventor of this mode of treatment has been deified under the name of Pambalaman. The jungle Yonidis are fearless in catching cobras, which they draw out of their holes without any fear of their fangs. They claim to be under the protection of a charm while so doing. A correspondent writes that a cobra was in his grounds, and his servant called a Yonidi to dislodge it. The man caught it alive, and, before killing it, carefully removed the poison sack with a knife, and swallowed it as a protection against snake-bite. The Naiades of Malabar, when engaged in catching rats in their holes, wear round the wrist a snake-shaped metal ring to render them safe against snakes which may be concealed in the hole. A treatment for cobra bite is to take a chicken and make a deep incision into the beak at the basal end. The cut surface is applied to the puncture made by the snake's fangs, which are opened up with a knife. After a time the chicken dies, and if the patient has not come round, more chicken must be applied until he is out of danger. 
The theory is that the poison is attracted by the blood of the chicken and enters it. The following treatment for cobra bite is said to be in vogue in some places. As soon as the person has been bitten, a snake charmer is sent for, who allures the same or another cobra whose fangs have not been drawn to the vicinity of the victim and causes it to bite him as nearly as possible the same place as before. Should this be fulfilled, the bitten man will as surely recover as a snake will die. It is believed that, if a person should come across two cobras together, they will give him no quarter. To avoid being pursued by them, he takes to his heels after throwing behind some garment on which the snakes expend their wrath. When they have completed the work of destruction, the pieces to which the cloth has been reduced are gathered together and preserved as a panacea for future ills. A fisherman who is in doubt as to whether a water snake which has bitten him is poisonous or not, sometimes has resort to a simple remedy. He dips his hand into the mud and eats several handfuls thereof. The fragrant inflorescence of Pandanus vesticillaris is believed to harbour a tiny snake which is more deadly than the cobra. Incautious smelling of the flowers may, it is said, lead to death. The earth snake, Typhlops braminus, is known as the ear snake because it is supposed to enter the ear of a sleeper and cause certain death. The harmless tree snake, Dendrophis pictus, is more dreaded than the cobra. It is believed that, after biting a human being, it ascends the nearest palmyra palm, where it waits until it sees the smoke ascending from the funeral pyre of the victim. The only chance of saving the life of a person who has been bitten is to have a mock funeral, whereat a straw effigy is burnt. Seeing the smoke, the deluded snake comes down from the tree, and the bitten person recovers. The green tree snake, Dryophis mysterisms, is said to have a habit of striking at the eyes of people, to prevent which a rag is tied round the head of the snake when it is caught. Another and more curious belief is that a magical oil can be prepared from its dead body. A tender coconut is opened at one end, and the body of the snake is put into the coconut, which, after being closed, is buried in a miry place, and allowed to remain there until the body decays, and the water in the coconut becomes saturated with the products of decomposition. When this has taken place, the water is taken out, and used as oil for a lamp. When a person carries such a lamp lighted, his body will appear to be covered all over by running green tree snakes. To the great dismay of all beholders, for the following note on beliefs concerning the green tree snake, dry office, I am indebted to Dr. N. Annadale. A recipe for making a good curry used by women who are bad cooks is to take a tree snake and draw it through the hands before beginning to make the curry. To cure a headache, kill a tree snake and ram cotton seed and castor oil down its throat until the whole body is full. Then bury it and allow the seeds to grow. Take the seeds of the plants that spring up and separate the cotton from the castor seeds. Ram them down the throat of a second snake, repeat the process on a third snake, and make a wick from the cotton of the plant that grows out of its body, and oil from the castor plants. If you light the wick in a lamp filled with the oil and take it outside at night, you will see the whole place alive with green tree snakes. Another way of performing the same experiment is to bore a hole in a ripe coconut, put in a live tree snake, and stop the hole up. Then place the coconut beneath the cow in a cow shed for forty days, so that it is exposed to the action of the cow's urine. A lamp fed with oil from the coconut will enable you to see innumerable tree snakes at night. 
The bite of the sand snake, Eric Shoney, is believed to cause leprosy and twisting of the hands and feet. An earth snake which lives at Codea Canal on the Palney Hills is credited with giving leprosy to anyone whose skin it licks. In the treatment of leprosy, a Russell's riper, Vipera Rosselli, is stuffed with rice and put in an earthen pot, the mouth of which is sealed with clay. The pot is buried for forty days and then exhumed. Chickens are fed with the rice and the patient is subsequently fed on the chickens. The fat of the rat snake, Zermenis mucosus, is used as an external application in the treatment of leprosy. An old woman during an epidemic of cholera at Beswada used to inject the patients hypodermically with an aqueous solution of cobra venom. Mischievous children and others, when they see two persons quarrelling, rub the nails of the fingers of one hand against those of the other and repeat the words, Mongoose and snake, bite, bite, in hope that thereby the quarrel will be intensified and grow more exciting from the spectator's point of view. When a friend was engaged in experiments on snake venom, some demaras, jugglers, asked for permission to unbury the corpse of the snakes and mongooses for the purpose of food. If a snake becomes entangled in the net of a best fisherman in Mysore, when it is first used, the net is rejected and burnt or otherwise disposed of. There is a widespread belief among children in Malabar that a lizard, Colotis versicolor, sucks the blood of those whom it looks at. As soon, therefore, as they catch sight of this creature, they apply saliva to the navel, from which it is believed that the blood is extracted. A legend is recorded by Dr. Annadale, in accordance with which every good Mohammedan should kill the bloodsucker, lizard, Colotis gigas, at sight, because when some fugitive Mohammedans were hiding from their enemies in a well, one of these animals came and nodded its head in their direction till their enemies saw them. A similar legend about another lizard is described as existing in Egypt. Dr. Annandale further records that the Hindus and Mohammedans of Ramnad in the Ramnad district regard the chameleon, chameleon calcaratus, as being possessed by an evil spirit and will not touch it, lest the spirit should enter their own bodies. I have been told that the bite of a chameleon is more deadly than the bite of a cobra. There is a popular belief that the bite of the Brahmini lizard Mabuia carinata, called Arnai in Tamil, is poisonous, and there is a saying that death is instantaneous if Arnai bites. The same belief exists in Ceylon, and Mr. Arthur Wiley informs me that deaths attributed to the bite of this animal are recorded almost annually in the official vital statistics. I have never heard of a case of poisoning by the animal in question. There is a legend that when the cobra and the arana were created, poison was supplied to them to be sucked from a leaf. The arana sucked it wholesale, leaving only the leaf smeared over with poison for the cobra to lap poison from, thereby implying that the cobra is far less venomous than the arana. Thus people greatly exaggerate the venomous character of the arana. It's already been noticed that when Savara children are emaciated from illness, offerings are made to monkeys. Bloodsuckers are also said to be propriated, because they have filamentous bodies. A bloodsucker is captured, small toy arrows are tied round its body, and a piece of cloth is tied round its head. Some drops of liquor are then poured into its mouth, and it is set at liberty. The Marathirajas of Sandra belong to a family named Gorpade, which name is 
said to have been earned by one of them scaling a prestigious fort by clinging to an iguana, Varanus, which was crawling up it. The flesh of the iguana is supposed to be possessed of extraordinary invigorating powers, and a meal of this animal is certain to restore the powers of youth. Its bite is considered very dangerous, and it is said that when it has once closed its teeth on human flesh it will not reopen them, and the only remedy is to cut out the piece it has bitten. The animal and the crocodile are believed to proceed from the eggs laid by one animal. They are laid and hatched near water, and, of the animals which come out of them, some find their way into the water, while others remain on land. The former become crocodiles, and the latter iguanas. The flesh of the crocodile is administered as a cure for whooping cough. It is popularly believed that if a toad falls on a pregnant woman, the child that is to be born will die soon after birth. The only remedy is to capture the offending toad and fry it in some medicinal oil which must be administered to the child in order to save it from death. End of section seven. Recording by Ashley Jane.